Welcome to Window of Opportunity, a Stargate Rewatch podcast. I'm Carrie. I'm Rachel. And today we're talking about Stargate SG-1 Season 2, Episode 5, Need. Yay! Welcome back, Rachel. Thank you. Yes. Rachel, what did you think about the Gamekeeper? Tell us everything, since you weren't here (laughs) last week. (laughs) I know. So, uh, I was not here last week. I was visiting family. Um, But... So I did watch, rewatch the episode as per Mm -hmm. our instructional routine. Um, (laughs) And this was definitely one of the episodes where I watched it and I was like, I do not remember anything about this, which (laughs) speaks to how absolutely amazing this episode was. Um, I feel like this is one of those episodes where they just kind of like threw out a side plot line that has nothing, you know, it has nothing to do with the actual plot line. They were just like, nah, everybody needs a break. We just need something weird. We're going to go with something weird. How about we just have everybody need a virtual game? And yeah, it was, it was just kind of okay. Not bad, not good. But yeah. my favorite part about it was when they show up on this planet and they see all these people hooked up to these machines and they start like pulling at all the wires. Yeah. <laughs> Like, if you don't know what that does, maybe leave it alone. Maybe don't touch it. Maybe they're there for a reason you don't know. And in typical Stargate fashion that we have pointed out before, at the very end of the episode, they completely, you know, undo an entire planet's way of life, which could be devastating to these people. Yes. they round it out with a comedy scene of the gamekeeper <laughs> being like, they're messing with my flowers. Stop picking the flowers. Yeah. <laughs> yes. In reality, if these people have not lived outside a computer for a thousand years, it could be pretty devastating. Yes. So... Yeah. <laughs> but it's all okay, because they have flowers. Yes. That's my assessment of Gamekeeper in okay. a nutshell for you. Is that kind of what you guys talked about? Yeah, those are definitely some of the high points. The like they've been sitting in a chair for a thousand years. Do their muscles even still work? Right. Yeah, you know, we don't know. Or just walking. Um, did you enjoy getting to unlock Daniel and Jack's tragic backstories and personal histories? Oh, yes. I you know, when I saw the scene with Daniel's parents, I was like, that is just the most awful way to go. Like not even, not even out on an adventure, just back in the museum. Yes. Yeah. And why were they under the exhibit to place it? They should have been outside, like managing it from the outside anyway. Like OSHA 101, (laughs) do not stand under the big, heavy, who knows what kind of rock that is. At least wear a hard hat for crying out something. I know. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was weird and sad. Yeah. So if that's yeah. really how, you know, people get killed, putting together museum ex- exhibits and not even like out on an adventure. That's <laughs> so sad. Yes. Yes. Very sad indeed. Yeah. So. All right. It was weird. It was, sorry. I'm going to keep going. And then no, we're going to go finish. Uh, but also I thought it was it was just um, interesting to watch Jack's scenario just taking place at somebody's house. And yeah. you think you think of like a military recon mission, you think like off in the jungle or, you know, something more stealthy or something other than like the suburbs. Of what yeah, it looks like. <laughs> yeah. So I guess it's, you know, the sort of safe house situation where, you know, they are kind of in the middle of the woods, hopefully isolated and not easily found, but was apparently found. So... Yeah. It, yeah. It really just kind of looked like they were in the suburbs. <laughs> the suburbs maybe, of Berlin. <laughs> yeah. It may be where they filmed it, where they were just like, hey, where do we have a spare house? Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. That is my assessment for you. Okay. Thank you very much. Uh-huh. And on to the new stuff. Yes. So we have reached Need, which I will tell you up front, this is my number one episode of season two, possibly, well, you definitely in like top five of like, all of Stargate. Oh, good. I love this episode so much. This it's... is where we learn that the sarcophagus not only fixes clothes, but also gives you better style. Yes. Like a better <laughs> sense of style. Yes. Daniel's <laughs> hair gets really fabulous near the yes. end of this one. <laughs> it does. It does. Okay. So this is Need. It originally aired on July 24th, 1998 
We have the story by Robert C. Cooper and Damian Kindler with the teleplay by Robert C. Cooper, and it was directed by David Worry Smith. In this episode, Daniel Jackson saves the life of a beautiful princess, but his heroics caused the SG-1 team to be taken prisoner. When he is badly injured in their escape attempt, Princess Shyla uses the sarcophagus to addict Daniel in order to seduce him. As Daniel struggles to free his friends, his addiction and his romance with Shyla could doom them all. No good deed goes unpunished. Nope. Unfortunately. Yes, no. So in this episode, we actually start on the planet, which has been a while since we just started the episode, like already on the planet. And SG-1 have uh, like seemingly sort of taken cover on a cliff overlooking where the gate is. And they see like Jaffa and priests and some other just general people sending a box of something through the Stargate. And there's also like the priest seems to be like blessing it with something, which is interesting. And Tilk confirms that what's in that box is Naquita. So we know that makes the gate and a whole bunch of technology stuff. And we also learn that SG-3 brought some Naquita home last year. And Sam's like, we could use some more. because Can we get some of that for us? Because that'd be really cool. That would be awesome. Yes. And they scurry over to like another side of the sort of cliff mountaintop kind of thing that they're on and they see a large ghouled ship like just parked on the planet and like a whole bunch of Jaffa and there's a like a procession of Jaffa and some workers and a woman with another one of those fancy boxes walking down a path nearby when the woman then breaks away from the group and Daniel jumps up to follow and Jack's like please stop doing that but the rest of SG-1 get up to follow and they find her standing on the edge of a cliff and it looks like she's going to jump. So Daniel obviously cannot allow that to happen. So he runs over and grabs her and like pulls her back before she can actually jump, which sort of startles her and she yelps. So Jaffa come running and everybody draws their weapons and the woman tells SG-1 to lower their weapons or they'll be killed. And we cut to the opening credits. So something interesting is going on here. No, very interesting intro indeed. Yes. So SG-1 is led into what I'm going to call the throne room of probably the Gould mothership by a group of Jaffa. So once again, for like the third time already this season, SG-1 has been taken prisoner. (laughs) Yeah. Do we start keeping count of that too? uh, I have not been keeping count of that. No. We can but, start. Yeah, that happens a lot early in season two. We'll probably we'll probably lose count. Yeah. Um, and the woman from earlier is there, and she introduces her father, Pyrus the God Slayer, who rules this world and demands to know like who SG One is and like why they have come here. Um, fun fact: the little quip by Jack about like how he's got an issue with like his knees because the, you know, the Jaffa try and make them kneel is -hmm. actually true about Richard Dean Anderson. Like he has like long standing issues with his knees from his years of playing hockey. So what he said is probably true for, for Rick. So yeah. um, Yeah. Um, My other fun fact for this little scene, which will be a sort of running theme throughout this episode is so I make my notes, you know, on word as I'm watching the episode and sometimes words don't get spell checked, which I always find interesting. So in this case, the word Pyrus, the, the woman's father, his name did not get like the red squiggly underneath it, like alien words usually do. So I and decided. And it made you say, aha, what does it <laughs> what mean? Is what does it mean? Why is this an actual word? I Yes. I'm like, wait, this is actually a word, not just some weird made up thing for the show. So turns out Pyrus is a genus of pear trees that are native to the old world. It's a type of pear tree. The guy kind of looked like a pear. <laughs> sure. Uh, <laughs> pear shaped? A little bit, yeah. Okay. So uh, Dan, you know, tries to do the whole we're peaceful explorer thing, but Pyrus thinks that they attacked his daughter. Daniel tries to get the woman to be like, tell, tell him what happened, but she doesn't say anything. Mm-hmm. And um, Pyrus then thinks SG-1 are basically just liars and thieves because we tell him that we're from Earth and there's no Gould 
on Earth, and he's like, lies, and basically orders them to be put into the mines. I'm not really sure what Daniel expected her to say at that point. I, like, yeah. oh, no, 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 they didn't attack me. They just saved me from killing myself. <laughs> I okay. mean, she could have lied that, like, she she tripped and was going to, you know, she didn't necessarily have to be like, I was going to kill myself, but... You know, she would have been like, oh, my, I was I was admiring the beauteous cliffs and the beauty of our kingdom. And I slipped and I fell. And he caught yeah. me. It was glorious, father. Glory. Yes. Oh, I do have to back up. So like after, you know, Daniel pulls her back and, you know, they're sort of like laying on the ground. There's that like, you know, long beauty shot of Daniel, like from her perspective mm-hmm. of like Daniel looking very, very pretty in, in the soft light filtered through the trees and mm-hmm. everything. And yes. So. Yes. Obviously, we know what what she's thinking. Of course she would spoon. (laughs) Of course she would. Who wouldn't? I know. Uh, Yes. And uh, the woman at Shyla is her name, uh, which we'll learn in a little bit, um, sort of goes like father to try and get him to not do that. But obviously that doesn't work. And, you know, they're sent off to the mines. I do have to say, as a little side note, like originally watching the series, I always thought Shyla's like dress and like necklace collar thing were like super pretty. Mm-hmm. In here, I don't know. I liked it a lot. I was like, can I wear something like that? No, probably not. <laughs> I liked it too. Yeah. Made you kind of want a full body beaded something. Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Probably make a lot of noise and be difficult to sit in, but you know. Yes. It fashion. Would, if you were sitting in it, it would probably remind you of one of like one of those beaded car oh, beaded yeah. covers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. After a while, just make you feel like you were wearing one of those. Yes. Uh, so we cut to SG-1 working in the mine and Sam and Tilk both seem convinced that Pyrus is not actually a ghoul and is basically are basically trying to convince Jack of that fact and Sam's also like I don't think these Jaffa are like actual Jaffa and so we learn here that because of Jolinar Sam can now basically like sense the presence of a ghouled symbiote in another person, but she did not get that feeling when like Pyrus grabbed her earlier when they were talking in the throne room. Like she gets a kind of weird feeling around Tilk who doesn't apparently. Um, But like that didn't happen with him. So now there's like, so, okay. So what else is going on? If he's not a golden, they're not Jaffa. Like what exactly is the situation here? Yeah. It's getting interesting. Yeah. So one of the Jaffa, quote unquote, uh, come over to sort of make sure SG-1 keep working. And Jack does his like little snarky thing about workplace violations, which just gets him a smack from the Jaffa with the staff weapon, just like right to the face. He's like, hi, ho, back, back to work we go. And he's like laying on the ground. And so later that evening, they're still working, but very, very tired. And Dan is like, I can't, I can't even move. They're just so tired and worn out. And there's suddenly a horn type of sound from somewhere. And everybody else puts their tools down and start walking somewhere. So apparently the workday is over at this point. SG-1 are like told to do the same and get unshackled. And so Jack takes that opportunity to attack the Jaffa that unshackled mm-hmm. them. He either like kicks him or knees him somewhere, grabs the staff weapon, tilk punches one of the other guards. Jack picks up the staff weapon and fires it at a guard that had come in, probably hearing, you know, the little kerfuffle that's going on. And they start to make their escape. But Daniel's like lagging behind because it looks like he's twisted his ankle or something. Like he's kind of hobbling, limping a bit for some reason. Yeah. And super exhausted or something. Yeah, but he definitely, like, seems to be, like, favoring one leg over there, so I don't know if it's just, like, yeah. the shackles or something, but Daniel's not quite 100% right now, and so they start trying to run. Daniel's lagging behind. A bunch more Jaffa come in from, like, the other side of this sort of cave system and start firing their staff weapons at SG-1, and one of the staff blasts hits, like, the roof of the cave and a whole bunch of rocks just so happened to fall down right on top of Daniel. Ah. SG-1 go back to start, like, unbearing him and, like, checking on him. And he's unconscious but alive. He's still alive. So we do okay, not so we're have not a death adding, count. We're not, not adding, not adding to death, 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 death. death. <laughs> no. 
So Jack tries to get like Sam and Tilk to leave, probably so hoping maybe they can escape and get back to Earth while he deals with getting Daniel out. But unfortunately, the way out is blocked by more Jaffa. So surprise. no, no escape for them at this point. Hmm. And we then cut back to the throne room, possibly sometime later, where Pyrus and Shyla are talking. And Pyrus still seems very paranoid and is still convinced that SG-1 were sent here for some nefarious purpose and, and that all we want is their Naquita, which grows more scarce by the day. And Shyla tries to convince her father to trust her because at some point he will pass and she will take over as ruler and she will have to make decisions like this. Like, well, okay, what kind of what kind of decision did she make? Like, what does he have to trust her with? Like, what what decision did you make? So, Pyrus, whether or not to kill people, whether or not yeah. to enslave people. Yeah. So, but we get the answer to what decision it is that she made when Pyrus leaves and Shyla pushes a button or some kind on the large stone throne, revealing underneath. A Gould sarcophagus. <gasps> what? Surprise. Surprise. Who do you think's in the sarcophagus? Uh, me. No, not me. No. Okay, wait, let me try again. It, <gasps> it was Daniel. It was Daniel. Yay, 10 points to Rachel. Thank Yay! you for playing. And uh, who apparently Shyla has taken the opportunity to dress Daniel in royal robes. And so. Yeah, who did that? Did she do that? I don't, uh, yeah, did she give them to somebody who dressed Daniel? Like, mm. I I mean, he still has, like, his t-shirt on, so, but, like, did the pants come up? Yeah, there's a whole bunch of questions as to how much came off before all that went on. <laughs> that, that's always weird when that happens, because, like, especially when it's not, like, medical personnel you get, you're in the hospital days, you know, sometimes you need to take, they need your clothes to be off so they can get to you, but when it's just, like, you know random person like marty mcfly's like mother back in 1955 like mm-hmm. strips marty out of it like why why i don't, I don't i never understand i don't know but. also you as a mom would definitely know this of how difficult it is to change someone's clothes that isn't like cooperating with you and yes. or not conscious <laughs> yes you you would need like to dress a fully grown man like Dan, you'd need like five people to like undress and redress him just to like prop him up and like move his arm and then flop it back down. Yeah. It would not I, work. It would not work no, out very well. But I no. would love to see that outtake. <laughs> <laughs> that would be hilarious. <laughs> uh, so uh, Daniel gets out of the sarcophagus. And um, if you'd like to play along, uh, get your drink ready because I will be saying the word sarcophagus about 8 million times in this recap. But if you'd like to play along at home. Um, so she finally introduces herself as Shyla and asks that he try not to escape again because she's taken personal responsibility for him. Please also don't hurt me. And we learn that the rest of SG-1 have been recaptured, so they're probably still back in the mine. And she seems very intrigued by the fact that Daniel has used a sarcophagus before, but she wants to show him something first. So, yes. Um, So another fun fact, Shyla was also not word checked, spell checked in word. Oh, who or what is a Shyla? So Shyla is a name that is Hindi in origin, meaning daughter of the mountain. And in Hindu mythology, Shyla is also one of the names of the goddess Parvati, who is the goddess of fertility, love, beauty, bravery, harmony, marriage, children, and devotion, as well as divine strength and power. There you go. And she is the daughter of pear. Yes. <laughs> She's the daughter of the pear. So. She's all that and the daughter of the pear. Yes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right. Yes. Uh, so we get a sort of just a quick cut back to SG-1 to confirm that, yes, they are back in the mine, looking very dirty, very tired, just sort of run down and over this. And Sam is sort of reassuring Jack that they did the right thing, basically, both with letting them take Daniel to heal him and also with the whole just even trying to escape thing. Mm-hmm. Like, they did the right thing. It maybe didn't work out great, but it was the right thing to at least try and do at that time. So... 
was it do you would you have tried to escape right at the time or would have you like would you have scoped out a little bit maybe done some recon I mean given the state they were in just there at the end of that first day I'd be like let we need to go now because it's not going to get better like do you think they would have had a better chance trying to break out from like wherever they were sleeping I mean possibly but who knows if they would have been like locked into a room somewhere which that's you know trying to get out of a locked door is always usually really hard so you know who I mean they had no way of knowing where they were going and what was going to happen after this here they know they're in a cave that is fairly open to just you know the land that they're in so true yeah So Shyla and Daniel are walking through the forest and she introduces him to these things that she calls trees. Daniel's like, yes, we have trees too. (laughs) I do love that moment though, because at least she had the thought to, to, you know, communicate to him what they call things. It's just, how does that actually end up being the same thing? I know. Yeah. How do these people on a foreign planet that were taken from who knows where on earth, happened to call trees trees i don't know apparently it's also sort of little in joke to the fandom about yes we know every alien planet looks like this but it's what we have to work with so yeah yeah and daniel's like yes we have trees too and jazz like oh you must think i'm like an idiot and he's like no no it's you know it's fine only a little bit i mean a little (laughs) bit but not really it's so totally fine but, um, hey, my friends who are, like, being worked to death in the mine, can we do something about that? And she's like, we'll talk to my father later. It'll be fine. And then there, Daniel seems to sort of click in that Shyla has some kind of, like, romantic feelings towards him. And he's okay. like, uh, you, you know, he's, like, not... <laughs> Could I'm really glad he picked up on it though, and he wasn't like a typical man who's like, no, whatever, she's just nice to me. But yeah. he had enough insight to be like, I see what's going on here. I'm just and gonna stop you. Yes, but she's like, but no, you're my destiny. She's like, okay, what? Okay, what's that about? So apparently, before her mother died, her mother told Shyla that a great man would come from beyond the sun just for her. And for the longest time, Shyla thought that she was wrong because no man ever came for her. So she stood out on that cliff and made one last wish. And then Daniel swooped in to save her. So kind of bad timing on Daniel's part. I mean, I would totally believe it. I I mean, I, if I were her, I probably would too. But yeah. unfortunately for Daniel, is is that makes things just a little awkward. <laughs> a little yeah. awkward for Daniel. And I love how this whole time he's having this, like, really nice scene with broken glasses. Yes. <laughs> they didn't think to put them in the sarcophagus because those would have been yeah. fixed. Yes. So, yeah. yeah. So it's the, the left frame is just completely spiderwebbed and crafted. <laughs> but I thought it was really good. There's one part of the, the blocking of the scene where he turns his head and his eyes just so, so you almost don't see it. And he can make like good eye contact with her at like an important part of the scene. Mm. Cool. I didn't really notice that, but thank you for pointing that out. That's very interesting. Yeah. You can rewatch, rewatch the Stargate. I will re re, I will re re rewatch. Yeah. (laughs) It's in the beginning of the scene. Okay, Mm -hmm. cool. I'll go check it out. So Daniel then goes to visit his friends in the mines and they're all like, glad, glad you're alive, but what are you wearing? And he's like, they're royal robes. And like kind of smiles and like does a little shimmy mm-hmm. with it. Like he's very pleased with his fancy new clothes. Mm-hmm. Um, they're like, great. Can you get us out of here, please? Because you seem to be in with the people in charge. So you're going to let us out, right? And he's like, not yet. Apparently it's a very sensitive situation, which I kind of get because Pyrus seems very rawr, and he's the one who sentenced them there. So I did, and Daniel's a stranger, so Daniel can't really just go, "Hey, let my friends out." That's, I mean, that's not going to work. It so was. Daniel's like, "I'll talk to him at dinner tonight." And Sam's like, "You get food." Yeah. So it's like, oh no. And we do also get Daniel confirming that Pyrus is not a ghoul, like Sam and Tilkit thought. So. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, so no Gould here, no Jaffa, just 
a crazy old man, apparently, in charge of everything. Mm-hmm. And so, people pretending to be Jaffa for some odd reason. Yes. So we then cut to the feast, which is just Daniel, Shyla, and Pyrus. And Pyrus tells Daniel that he killed the ghoul who used to rule here 700 years ago. And so now he's in charge. And Daniel's like, I'm like 700 and you're just a regular human. Like he's like, I know the sarcophagus is really cool. I didn't know it could do that. Mm -hmm. So which does seem kind of incredible that it could just keep a regular, normal, non-gouldy human alive for 700 years. That's like nuts. But we do also get Shyla, who says she has not yet used the sarcophagus. So she's not like, you know, 200 to Daniel's 30 or whatever he at 28, 29 that mm-hmm. Daniel is here. So that's yeah. good at least. Yeah. And okay. So like if the Gould are all gone, why are there still like prisoners in the mine and all of this craziness going on? And apparently they need to keep sending the Naquita through the gate so that the other Gould don't know that something went wrong on this planet and like come to check on them. I love how this is revealed in the scene when Daniel's just like, oh, you're all frauds. Yeah. Oh, I get it. I, you're just pretending so that nobody yeah. knows. And that's why you're paranoid. Ah. Yes. Like, you probably should have handled that with a little bit more tact. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, okay, like, I get, yeah, okay, keep sending the Nakwita through to keep the ghoul off your scent. Yeah, sure. But you don't need to make people work to death to do that. And you don't need to, like, have people dressed up as Jaffa. And, like, all of the other stuff sort of around it is just, like, not necessary. No. I'm I'm guessing that's part of the crazy of yeah. the sarcophagus. Because probably what they did initially was they felt that they had to do that so that they really sold the ruse in case somebody showed up. And yeah. then I think it just became habit and the way they did yes. things. Yeah. So Pyrus suddenly is just like, I have to go sleep and stands up and goes to leave. And Daniel's like, hey, my friends. And he Pyrus just goes, yeah, kill him. And they're like, what? No, wait, wait what? No, time out, one. time out. The wait, other what? Way. <laughs> no, what? Stop. That's not, yeah. no. <laughs> and Shiloh's like, but you had said that their punishment was just going to be to like work themselves to death. And he's like, I did. All right, fine. So, and she's like, yes, yes, yeah. you did. Yes. And so, like, Shyla goes to follow him and just leaves Daniel with the feast. And so when she comes back, Daniel's still just like, I need my friends to be let go. Like, this is not okay. Like, we need to get them now. And Shyla just keeps trying to placate him. Be like, we'll talk to him later. It'll be fine. He's not well right now. We'll talk to him in the morning. And Daniel's like, oh, you're doing this on purpose. Because if you don't let my friends go, then that means I'll stay too. And she's kind of like, mm-hmm. like, damn it, damn it. He figured it out. And so he Daniel. smart, that one with his glasses. He is. And Daniel's like, okay, f- I'll stay anyway. Let them go and I will stay anyway. If that's what you want, I'll stay. Let them go and I'll still stay. Which, I mean, good for you, Daniel, because mm-hmm. that doesn't make any promises of anything other than I will stay and be your friend, possibly mm-hmm. for a while, if you do let my friends go. And she's like, oh, so you do feel the same and like kisses him. And that was awkward and mm-hmm. yeah, but not not a thing. And she's like, OK, you just need to like go back in the sarcophagus to heal some more and then you'll feel better later. And he's like, no, no, I'm fine. She's like, no, 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 go go back in the sarcophagus. So Daniel goes back in the sarcophagus to just sort of keep her happy, I guess. Yeah. At this point. And so then we get a quick cut back to the SGC, which seems to be like a couple days later from like the previous scene. And there's an incoming wormhole, but it's just a radio transmission only. No, like people are coming through and it's Daniel sending a message that the status is the same and he needs more time to resolve things diplomatically. And Hammond does not look very happy. He's worried, concerned, just like, confused like what is going on like because who knows what Daniel has told him up Mm -hmm. to this point then uh, Daniel goes to visit SG-1 again and it's apparently been several days since they saw him last and they are not in good shape like at all like they're barely hanging on like Tilk's doing okay because he's got Junior to help but like Sam and Dan and 
Sam and Daniel, Sam and Jack are just like, he's like, we're, we're dying down here, Daniel. We are dying. And Daniel, meanwhile, lovely wavy hair, super happy bouncy. This is, this is not, Dan- I don't know who this is, but this is not Daniel. Yeah. And he's just like sort of totally dismissive of everything that like Jack and Sam are saying. He's like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I'll get on that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Totally fine. And. But guys, the sarcophagus is awesome. It's so cool. And he's like, we can like discover so many wonderful things that doesn't look. No glasses. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> and Sam's like, I don't think that's a good thing. Yeah. But uh, also. Shiloh wants to marry him. <gasps> so at the end of this, like Jack's just like, you have one, just get us out of here. That's all you need. You have one thing to do. You have just one job. Get us out of here. And then Daniel just like explodes back at Jack about how Jack has never shown Daniel any respect. And he's got this like your way. We tried your way. It didn't work. So now I'm going to do this. He's got My the crazy way. eyes going. He's got the crazy eyes going. Yes. Michael Shanks' crazy eyes. Yes. He's very good at the crazy eyes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, back in the throne room, we learn that the sarcophagus is no longer healing Pyrus like it used to. And he's probably going to die soon. And then Shyla will be queen. And Daniel's like, that's, be- that's awesome. Good. I mean, yay. Good for that. And she's like, Re- really? And he's like, yeah, think of all like the wonderful things we could do together. And she kind of tries to apologize for like locking up his friends. And he's like, oh, you didn't mean anything by that. That's totally fine. Mm-hmm. Because apparently he's finally found a place where he feels like at home with her and here. And he apparently never felt that way about Earth. So that's interesting. So I know that this episode thematically is supposed to show the effects of addiction itself, but I was trying to think of his behavioral change traits. Like I was trying to think of what they were trying to mimic. Sam later says it's like narcotics. So is he just like high all the time? Like, is that what this is? Like he's just high on whatever's going on and so just the sort of filter that usually is there in most people is gone so he like all the stuff that's like deep deep down in his head and I mean maybe it is true that he never really felt at home on earth you know I think there are shreds of truth in these things that he's saying even when he is Mm -hmm. out of his mind on the sarcophagus drug whatever that is Mm -hmm. you know like how Jack never shows him any respect and he never felt at home I think there are elements of that that are true, but are maybe not things Daniel would ever actually admit out loud to anybody because there are other things that are more important. Mm -hmm. Other rational parts of the brain take over. Yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. I don't know if there's a direct comparable addiction type thing here on Earth, but... Because I, I don't know anybody who has been addicted to drugs or anything. So I don't know. But I don't know. That's what I get out of this. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I, I do not know any drug addition, addictions personally. Okay. Yeah. So, all right. If anybody out there does and has any experience and maybe wants to let us in on some things about how that works. Feel mm-hmm. free to let us know. Yeah. yeah. If you if you want. <laughs> <laughs> There's so many things that come up in these episodes that we're like, I don't know. I don't know. Never had to deal with this. Maybe no. somebody out there has. Yeah. yeah. So back in the mine, Carter is jilted out of some like dream or vision that was left by Jolinar and apparently the Tok'ra don't use the sarcophagus because it like corrupts the mind and takes their Kalash, which according to Tilk is the ghoul word for soul. So they need to get Daniel to like stop using this thing before it's too late. So here's another fun fact, Kalash, depending on how you spell it, there's two possibilities. Mm -hmm. Um, I know I should have turned on the closed captioning to see if the closed captioning had the right spelling on there. Um, 
So I got it is either K-A-L-A-C-H or K-A-L-A-S-H. Um, both of which are real things because they did not get the red squiggly spell check in Word. So if it's spelled I like how with this episode was based off of like Carrie's experience with Word. <laughs> experiences with Word and spell check. Um, I know. Well, there there wasn't re- much other fun fact stuff to really dive into. This I know, week. but this is fascinating. So, this is it's really fun. Okay, so if you spell it with the ch, uh, kalash is apparently a traditional Eastern European bread commonly served during ritual meals. And the name originates from the old Slavic word kolo, meaning circle or wheel, uh, because the bread is, uh, if you look it up, it sort of looks like it's sort of two pieces that are sort of like twisted together and then shaped into like a wreath kind of thing. Um, And it's apparently similar to brioche in cases it's like slightly sweeter than most breads are. And there are many recipes out there on the internet. If you want to go out there, find one and give it a try. You can bake, bake some Eastern European bread. There you go. and soul. Yes. Bakes uh, and gold soul. <laughs> if you spell it with an SH, it is a metal pot, usually made of brass, copper, silver, or gold, with a large base, large base and a small mouth. But the, the mouth is shaped in such a way that it can sort of cup a coconut. Uh, it is used in Hindu rites, so it's another Hindu thing. Uh, sometimes called a kalasha with an A on the end. It also refers to a pot that is filled with water, topped with a crown of mango leaves, and then a coconut in the middle of all that. And it's used in various Hindu rites and depicted often in Hindu iconography. When you said it was a metal pot, I got all excited that it was possible to make kalash in a kalash. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, not quite. The, the Hindu no, the Hindu one is more just like like a, a very ornate like vase kind of thing yeah. where it's sort of, you know, more bulbous at the bottom and then a little smaller at the top, unfortunately. Do you so. drink out of it or is it decorative? It's from what I can tell, it's just decorative. Okay. So yes. Not so not used can, for eating or drinking. So you, you can might have be able kalash. to <laughs> you could maybe form a kalash around a kalash since the bread is in a circle. Oh, like that'd be fun. You could decorate yeah. a kalash with a kalash. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> oh, so there, there's the two things about kalash that I could find. That depending on how it's spelled in Stargate, you have things to seek out yourself if you want. <laughs> bread, bread based all. Yes. <laughs> Uh, so we then cut to Jack being dragged into the throne room and shoved to the floor in front of Daniel, the man who would be king. And Daniel just seems completely oblivious to the state that Jack is in. Like, he's just covered in, like, soot and ash and is, like, sweaty and his hair is all gross. And he's just tired and exhausted. And Daniel's just like, hey, Jack, so good to see you. And, like, picks him up. So he's standing again. And Jack's like, we're we're not going to live much longer down there. You need to do something now. And also gives Daniel uh, Sam's warning about the sarcophagus doing bad things. And Daniel's like, hey, no, don't worry, because we're going home tomorrow. Yay. Yeah. So apparently what happened is that Daniel agreed to marry Shyla, but convinced her that he had to return home first, like tie things up, and then he would come back. And Jack's all like, she trusts you to like just leave and come back. And he's like, she loves me. So, yes. Oh, all righty then. Mm-hmm. So we cut to sometime later and Shyla is helping Pyrus into their sarcophagus. And he believes she's making a mistake with marrying Daniel. But she keeps insisting that SG-1 are good people and putting them in the mines was like the wrong thing to do. Which I thank you for acknowledging that at least. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, Yeah. And then there's a bit of that whole, like, if you love something, you'll set it free and it will come back to you kind of thing with her and Daniel. So then we cut to the next day and Shyla is with SG-1 and Fugifa standing in front of the gate. And she seemingly sincerely apologizes for, like, what's happened to them and what, like, they've been put through here, which thank you for acknowledging that you have done these people wrong you know, in this situation and promises their friendship when they return. 
And so they go to dial the gate and Daniel just like lays the big old smacker on Chyla and promises to return soon. So do you think, so Daniel never intended to return, right? He was never going to go back. This was all of Ruth on his part. He was just, he did, made this promise to get his friends out and he was going to leave and never look back, right? Um, well, I think he, you know, at this point in time, I don't know if he intended to like just say bye and just never come back or if he did intend to go back because of the sarcophagus. I don't think he would have gone back for Shyla. Okay. I think he would have gone back for the sarcophagus. Okay. Okay. But yeah, from his attitude and his mannerisms and stuff, it's totally like, yeah, sure. I'll go back. Right. Yeah. It's not you with me. Give me your number. I'll call you. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Yeah. All right. So as SG-1 returns to Earth, we see Hammond waiting at the bottom of the ramp and we get Jack, and I just love what he says. He's like, we had a nice time, sir. Carter picked up some aqueda, took made some new friends as usual. Daniel got engaged, and uh, I'm going to go take a shower because they're just filthy. They're so, they must smell so bad. I don't even want to know. And Hammond just kind of stares after them, like his mouth agape, like, what the fuck happened on that planet? Because who knows what he's been told at this point by Daniel, who's apparently the only one who has had contact with him. And mm-hmm. I'm sure he's very confused at this point. But Daniel's still rocking his fabulous hair. Yes. And so. the robes. Don't forget the robes. And the robes. And the robes. No glasses. No glasses. Because he doesn't need them anymore because the sarcophagus fixed them. Mm-hmm. Yep. So in the infirmary, SG-1 are getting checked out. And Daniel seems quite, like, jittery. And Sam's like, your systems were all out of whack. You'll be fine. So... But, yeah, Daniel's, like, you know, doing the sort of twitchy thing. Needing and a fix type, type yes, thing. Yes, yes. Uh, so then a bit later, apparently, they've been cleared. I don't know how Daniel got cleared out of the infirmary. I'm, like, given no. what we learned very shortly, I don't know how he got. Unless things weren't that out of whack yet. I don't know. Um well, you so, think but, if he had, you think if he would have had, if his systems were out of whack, he probably should have had, no, I, no, no he should have no. stayed in the infirmary. Yeah. Like get an IV in this guy, get everything back in balance. But yeah. yeah, I don't know how Daniel was let out of the infirmary at this point. <laughs> As um, we continue to wonder about the quarantine. Yes. <laughs> And medical procedures of returning from foreign planets. Yes. Uh, Yeah. Because uh, we cut to Sam's lab and she's playing with some of the Naquita that they brought back and Daniel just sort of pacing around her office. But I like how in the scene it's sort of played like that this is something that they do. Like Sam is in her lab messed around with something and Daniel's just like there to keep her company. Like this Mm -hmm. is a normal thing that happens with them. I don't know. I think it's kind of cool. Yeah, that was cool. And so we get Daniel then sort of starting to ramble about, you know, what happened. And he thinks he made a mistake coming back to Earth because he can't stop thinking about Shyla. And Sam is just like, uh, you have a wife? And Daniel's like, had, had a wife. Which is like, oh, mm, that's how you know Mm. something's really wrong. Mm -hmm. Because this man loves Share with like all his heart. And he's like, had a wife. Who knows what state she's in now, even if we do get to find her. It's like, oh, no, Daniel. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. So apparently his like endorphin levels were sky high, according to Sam. And now he's coming down like a narcotic. So, of course, obviously, he's going to be feeling j- these emotions that he's going through right now. And then they get in an argument about the use of the sarcophagus when it's not needed. And Daniel's like, well, what's so bad about it? And Sam's like who knows what is going on in like your brain right now and just in general in your body. Like we, this is not a thing we've studied to understand how it affects the human physiological systems, you know, like, no, this is not a good thing, Daniel. And 
So Daniel's like, well, let's go back and like study it. And Sam's like, well, no, because Shiloh like used it to get you addicted to it to keep us prisoner. And then not a good idea. Not, not a, good a good idea. idea. No, but like that just like pisses him off. And he like knocks over some bottles before going, you've never really known what love is, have you? And <laughs> Sam's like, oh, no, you did not. That is not something Daniel would say. So also we learned in season one, she was engaged. Yeah. That, which that one Daniel, whole episode. I know which Daniel knows about and who knows what other conversations they've had about, you know, boyfriends, girlfriends and whatever throughout the years. So yeah. So he storms out and then Jack and Sam are in Hammond's office discussing like what's going on with Daniel and Sam's like, he needs to be confined because he's not himself. This is, What's going on is not good. And then Daniel comes like storming in and just like smacks his reg- resignation down on the desk with a request to return to P3R636, which gets denied, obviously. Like the whole re- resignation returning, like none of this is going to happen. And Daniel suddenly like collapses and is like unconscious on the floor in Hammond's office. Not so good. Not no. a good idea. No. no. So back in the infirmary, which is where Daniel should have been this whole time, uh, yeah. Dr. Fraser has given Daniel a sedative while they try to figure out what's going on because his whole body function is just messed up. Like he's going through some sort of massive physical withdrawal. And right now the only thing they can do is just treat the symptoms of what's happening with his body. And Daniel sort of, comes to sort of out of the sedative and tries to like leave because he hasn't been restrained yet and Tilk rushes over to try and hold him down when Daniel's just like shoves him aside which so Daniel's still super strong apparently at this point because Tilk like re- he like Daniel should not be able to shove Tilk like that no. <laughs> like Tilk should be a brick wall to Daniel really so Jack then like jumps up like on the gurney, like on top of Daniel, holding him down while Dr. Fraser injects him again. And Daniel's just like sort of moaning like he's in very intense amount of pain. So things are starting to get real, real bad for Daniel real here. Yeah. yeah. Basically, Dr. Fraser's trying her best to keep Daniel alive, but there's not much they can do because they don't know what exactly the sarcophagus did so they can only treat things as they become, you know, apparent to them, but who knows what else is going on with everything. And Tilk's like, well, maybe we could take him back to the sarcophagus. And Sam's like, no, that's definitely not a thing we're going to do. All we can do right now is just wait it out. So apparently that's what they're going to do. Because we yep. cut to sometime later, and Dr. Fraser's watching over Daniel, who is now actually strapped to a gurney in another, like, isolated cell from, like, a security room when Jack comes in. And apparently, like, things are starting to, like, look a little better. Like, his levels, whatever they are, are, like, leveling out. His, like, fever is down. So... It seems like Daniel might be okay, but sort of the next few hours are where it'll be critical to see if he's actually able to make it through this. And she's like, time for more sedative. So she goes to give him another dose and leaves Jack in the room with the security monitors. And uh, apparently Daniel has managed to break out of his restraints and basically just like flings Dr. Fraser over the bed. And the guard that was standing outside the room hears her yell and comes in when Daniel just charges him and just beats him like four or five times. Like this yeah. guy's like out. Animal with that one. Yeah. Like he's so, not even, he's not even turned on anymore. Just no, nobody's home. No, it's just, it's just like gut survival instincts really mm-hmm. going on yeah. right now. And so Jack finally notices on the monitor that Daniel's not in the bed or in the room anymore and goes running and Dr. Fraser assures him that she's okay and to like go after Daniel. So Jack hits the alarm that's right outside the room and runs down the hall and sees Daniel duck into a storage room. And he follows, like turns on the light and tries to figure out where he is when Daniel just shoots the light out and is like, I, Jack's like, are you trying to kill me? And Dan's like, you're trying to kill me. I Aww. need to go back. And okay, just before we get in, 
just the act uh, Richard Dean Anderson and Michael Shanks in the scene. Like they are so amazing. Good. So good. Brett, like I was tearing up watching this earlier because it's so good. Oh, yeah. They do work well together so they much. They do. Yeah. And, yeah. Jack, like, tries to reassure Daniel that, you know, Doc said you're getting better. And Daniel's like, you're lying. And Jack's like, why? Why would I do that? And then they get in this, like, little scuffle when Daniel tries to run out and Jack intercepts him. And it basically all ends with Daniel, like, sitting in the doorway, pointing the gun at Jack. And Daniel just looks, like, completely, like, out of his mind. He's, like, red and just like not in his right mind at all. And Jack just starts like talking and is like, do you really want to kill me? Is that what you want to do right now? And seems to recognize what's going on and that Jack knows what Daniel is going through and he can make it through. And Daniel's just like, no, no, no. And just completely breaks down. Beautiful. Beautiful. Oh, the ugly crying is so good. Jack manages to get like the gun out of his grip and just like holds on to Daniel for dear life in the doorway of this storage room at the SGC. And it's beautiful. And I love it. And I want to know what Jack was addicted to, to know what Daniel is going through. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff that he says throughout this thing where he's like, I know what you're going through. I know what this is. And we're like, good God, man, what? <laughs> You need yeah. to tell more stories. Yeah, I'm thinking, is it with all his years in the military, was there, you know, some mission where he got injured really bad and was like on, you know, some kind of narcotics for pain maintenance at some point, possibly? I don't know, but I like, I really yeah. want to know more. Him or somebody else or something or. Yeah. So much mystery to that man that we don't know. I know. Please tell us more. Again, just round of applause for Rick and Michael in the scene because it's so so good it's so good so then it's apparently a few days a week sometime later and uh, Sam and Jack are talking with Hammond about what their next mission is going to be when Daniel walks in and suggests going back to P3R636 and he's like and he's wearing his glasses again so and yes he's yeah he's wearing his glasses he's back in his uniform his hair's not all wild and crazy anymore so he definitely seems to be sort of back to his old self finally I I feel like he should have kept the hair he should have been like you know what I was crazy pants but damn my hair was amazing (laughs) yeah Uh, but he's like before you say no because I know you're gonna say no Like, there's still people who are enslaved working in these mines there. We need to figure out what's going on and fix this situation. And, I mean, who knows if the Gould would even miss the Naquita shipments from this planet if they would stop. And, okay, so if if we don't want to stop, we can at least teach them better mining alternatives that, like, don't involve slavery, which would be great. Yeah, how so how do how long do we think they were gone and like enslaved in the mine? I would say week, week and a half. And if only in that time they were like, My God, we are almost dead. We had been worked that you would think that on that planet they go through a lot of people. Yeah. By having or, slavery and working them to death. Yeah. But I do wonder if maybe SG-1 was sort of a, a stricter Overworked. punishment. Yeah, like were to be made. Because there there was at one point where Shia was like there to be made examples of. So I think they're being worked harder than the other people to be made an example of. Probably. So She did at one scene, like she also said, that's okay, they'll take care of them. So yeah. I couldn't tell if when she mentioned that to her father, if she was just like, yes, that's what you said they should do. And then, you know, told the guard something else or I don't know. Yeah, it's it's difficult to know really for sure who's telling what lies to who and who's telling the truth to who. There's so many lies. And uh, Sam does add in that, again, if we could get more Naquita, that would be great because there's a lot of cool stuff we could probably do with it. And Hammond still seems skeptical considering, you know, the whole getting taken prisoner thing the last time they were there. Yeah. And Daniel's like, 
I get that, but this is kind of the one shot we have at like a diplomatic solution to having some kind of relationship with this planet and trying to resolve things peacefully. And luckily, Jack backs up Daniel on this. Is like, we'll have his back, and he wants Daniel back on the team. So, yay. Yay, progress. Yay. So, back on P3R636, Pyrus has apparently now passed away, and Shyla is in charge. And, yet, no, Daniel didn't really love her, but that doesn't mean he doesn't care. And Shyla's very upset with herself for what she allowed to happen. Is like, I don't deserve to live. And Daniel's like, yes, you do. You'll be fine. Your people need you. I had a question about this scene. Okay. So the scene opens where she's like looking out a window and she's looking, you know, at, at the, the kingdom that is now hers and whatever. And like Daniel enters the room behind her and she like barely turns her head and she like knows it's him. Mm-hmm. And, I had the thought to myself of like, if they came back, which obviously they did, there's Mm -hmm. no way that he would have been able to like sneak into a room behind her. Like they would have been caught by the people. She would have been notified immediately. Like that greeting would not have been taking place in that sort of fashion. Yeah. I mean, based on how she sent them off, I do think she would have been like, if these people come back, they are friends. And I don't think they would have been, you know, taken prisoner like it was last time. But also, do they have guards on the gate 24-7? It's possible they kind of came through during a time when there was nobody at the gate, possibly. And so they were able to just sort of get get in. I don't know. <laughs> so you think Daniel's uh, fiancé status allowed him to just kind of sneak in where he would tell the guards, like, no, 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 just wait, it's a surprise. <laughs> just yes that's yes i'm I'm gonna go with that yes i'm gonna go just don't tell her i'm here i'll be great yes i'm I'm going with yes all right we'll go with that one okay so he's like you'll be fine you'll be great your people need you but the sarcophagus like has to go so she goes to pick up staff weapon fires it at the sarcophagus which just like shorts it out not exploding it like it didn't hathor um And Daniel kind of, like, hugs her as we fade to black and she, like, starts crying. And um, so my question, though, is the way she's behaving in this scene. And at one point, Daniel says that Shyla can't use the sarcophagus anymore. Implies that she has been using it. But earlier in the episode, she says that she's never used it. So Um, is that an actual glitch or just, like, sort of bad wording of what Daniel says like general you can't use it anymore yeah i took it to mean kind of like your people can't use it recreationally okay i i I didn't take it to mean you specifically okay kind of like you guys can't use this anymore okay yeah so episode is over basically sarcophagus is out of use it seems like we're on our way to helping resolve the whole slave situation on this planet and yay happy ending and daniel's not getting married so yay yay Yay. i also kind of thought back to the other thing that Mm -hmm. she was mostly sad probably because she had planned to use it to extend her reign yeah so yeah obviously it just means that she gets to like live like a normal person right and she's sad true okay so maybe she was not sad that she couldn't use it anymore, but that she wouldn't be able to. I don't think they should have gotten rid of it completely, though. It still brings people back from the dead. I know. And if somebody, like, breaks their leg or something, you could fix them in, like, an hour rather than, like, two months. Yeah. Who knows? I don't know. But again, sort of slippery slope. If, you know, you use it for, like, where where do you draw the line of who can use it and when, I guess, kind of a thing what people would show up and be like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I have a fever. I am so unwell. Yeah. Then would you have people like breaking bones on purpose so they could go, you know, who knows all manner of things could happen. So, I mean, yeah, it'd be cool, but I think the potential for abuse of it bars out far outweighs the potential positives at this, at least at this point. For these people. Mm. So. 
Would you use the sarcophagus? If you had access to a sarcophagus, if someone was like, yay, we found this thing, it's in your family, you get it as an inheritance, it's a magical thing, like, would you be like, yay, or would you be like, this is too much possibility um, for things to go wrong, I'm going to go ahead and shoot it? <laughs> well, I don't think I'd shoot it, but considering I do have a habit of breaking bones, I'd be like, oh, that's kind of handy. <laughs> <laughs> Would you be like, can I just stick my arm in? Do I have to get yeah, all in? Does my can whole just... body have to go in? Can I just like, can just the arm can just, go in? Just, can you like just the... make like an armhole? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, could you? I mean, that'd be kind of cool. Just stick your arm in like through the side, cut a hole, stick your arm they, in, let it rot. They don't even know. They shot it first. You don't they know. Did. Oh, that's a possibility I hadn't thought of until just now. That'd be cool. I could get behind that. Just make an arm or a leg hole. <laughs> yeah, that's all you need. You don't need to put the whole body in there. No. Yeah. So, I don't know. <laughs> what about you? Would you use it? Uh, you know, I mean, I think I could get on board with it if it was like an arm or a leg hole. <laughs> or near death. Um, I think I might donate it to science. Okay. Yeah, I would. I like would take compliment. it. I would take it to a university and be like, I don't know, you figure it out. <laughs> and then maybe Dang they can them. figure out how to extract technology to be able to use safely from it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I think I would. I would donate it to science. Okay. All right. Well, that's the end of the episode. So, what memos do we have <laughs> for this week? <laughs> Um, you know, I think during this memo, they should have a protocol of um, more than one person reports back. Oh, that'd be good. Maybe. Yeah. Yes. If, if only one person reports back for like three days in a row, something fishy's going on. Yeah. Like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. I also, like that. Yeah. Also, um, we still need to maintain, they, they still need to rework all of the medical quarantine protocols yeah. when somebody comes back from a foreign planet. <laughs> yes. Especially when they're addicted to something. Just don't, don't let them just wander around the SGC. I mean, at least they didn't let him out of the SGC, I guess. Yeah. But, but that, that, comes, but, that comes later. Yeah. But the funny thing is, is like, they obviously know that's what happened to him when they came back. Yeah. So, they knew that's what happened before they left of like, this is the entire purpose of us being here is so she could addict you to this thing. And yeah. they didn't be like, you should probably just sit this one out for a while. Yeah. <laughs> let's, let's get some IV. Let's get an IV like fluids in you. Let's get your electrolytes back in and balance. And yeah. uh, see if yeah. you're cool after a couple days. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's about it. That's what I'm going with. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, episode title need. I don't know if that really needs much much explanation this week. I think nah, that one's pretty need. the need. <laughs> no. it, oh, it is, you. It is not necessary to explain the title need this week, given the events of the episode. Mm-hmm. I think. So, Rachel, overall, what do you think about this episode? How do you rank it? What are your thoughts? Final final thoughts. Give them to me. I mean, this one goes down as like a Daniel Jackson, Michael Shanks classic. This, when you think of Michael Shanks acting ability and his ability to just get in the moment and just have it all out and feel what's happening, I would say this is right up there. And it's in season two. So, I mean, we have so many more seasons to go, but yeah, like it, like it. It's a classic. Absolutely. Yeah. This is always one of those episodes where somebody says Stargate, like this is one of those episodes that immediately is like, yes, need Stargate. Definitely good stuff. Mm-hmm. Need Happens. Stargate. I need <laughs> Stargate. Ah, 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 ah. <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. As I said, this is, yeah, this, this is my number one from season two. So when we do our season two wrap up, this will be number one on my list. Do they encounter sarcophaguses much after this? Because, you know, I don't remember. Um, Not in, like, this kind of capacity, no. Yeah. No. Because we'll have to watch and see if they come across one, if Daniel's like, yeah. Or if oh, he's like, well, oh. mm, there, there is uh, Abyss in season six where, with Jack and the sarcophagus. 
Oh yeah, I don't remember. We'll have to. I'll have to be surprised because that's yeah, I don't. With, with Daniel in the white sweater, awesome. Oh. If that rings any bells, the lovely V neck cape white sweater, awesome. Oh yeah. See, I got yeah. it when you mentioned the costume. <laughs> Because it's so iconic. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> that white cable yeah. sweater. So good. Yeah, so yep, yep. got it. Yep. <laughs> and there it is. <laughs> yes. I have, yeah, I think that's the only other time the sarcophagus really plays like a significant plot point in an episode for us that I can recall at this point in time. Mm-hmm. So, yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Done with the sarcophagus. Yep, that's it. Yep. That's all I got. Okay. Uh-huh. All right. Well, thank you everybody for listening. As always, you can find us on Twitter at sg underscore rewatch or send us an email at woo. That's w o o s g rewatch at gmail dot com. Don't forget to rate and review us, please. And we will see you next time for Thor's Chariot. <laughs>